Welcome to EEN Moms Talk. We are going to explore how we are called to care for God's creation, what that looks like for modern moms, and how we can make better choices to protect our kids from environmental harm. Now on to today's episode. Good day, everyone. This is Beth Bond, your hostess for EEN Moms Talk. We took a little bit of a spring break, and we are back, and we are so excited to have um, a lovely, lovely guest from, I forgot, I, I, she's out on the West Coast. That's that's what I remember. She'll tell us exactly where she's from in a minute. Um, but let me tell you a little more, bit more about Christine Sign, who is the founder and facilitator for GodSpaceLight.com, which grew out of her passion for creative spirituality, gardening, and sustainability. Together with her husband, Tom, she is also co-founder of Mustard Seed Associates, but recently retired to make time available for writing and speaking. She is a contemplative activist, passionate gardener, author, and liturgist. She loves messing with church traditions and inspiring followers of Jesus to develop creative approaches to spirituality that intertwine the sacred through all of life. She facilitates workshops on spirituality and gardening, simplicity and sustainability, and how to develop a more spiritual rhythm for our lives. Christine is inspired by Celtic Christian spirituality, which has opened her eyes to the God who is present in every moment, every experience, and every place. She is open to learning from everyone and everything around. In a former life, Christine trained as a physician in Australia, practiced in New Zealand, and developed and directed the healthcare ministry for Mercy Ships. She no longer practices medicine, but delights in guiding people towards the health and wholeness of God's new world. Her most recent book is Rest in the Moment. Other books include Return to Our Senses, Reimagining How We Pray, To Garden with God, Light for the Journey, God's Space Time for Peace and the Rhythms of Life, and The Tales of the Seasick Doctor. Seasick Doctor. That sounds sort of fun. Christine and Tom also co-authored Living on Purpose, Finding God's Best Life for You. Welcome, Christine. Welcome, Christine. It's a pleasure to be with you today. We, uh, we, we've we had a bit of a challenge getting it scheduled because my schedule's been so busy. So thank you so much for all your patience. And I am thrilled to have you with us because, um, because of your robust and dynamic background. I think you're going to have some really good lessons for us in regards to uh, mixing our faith values with gardening and, and raising kids. So um, just let's just start off right off the bat. Um, I'm very interested in this healthcare ministry for Mercy Ships. Can you tell us a little more about that? Uh, yes. I, uh, I'm an Australian, and I trained as a physician there, then practiced in New Zealand. And while I was living in New Zealand back in the late 70s, heard about Youth with a Mission, and uh, what they had just started at that point was the development of a ship with an intention of building a hospital on board to do medical and dental work in third world countries. Um, really caught my imagination, in spite of the fact that even then I knew that I was one of those lucky people who got seasick standing on the wharf looking at the sea, which is why the book that I wrote about my experiences was called Tales of Seasick Doctor because I actually never got over my seasickness. Um, but in spite of that, it was a wonderful experience and I uh, did have the incredible privilege of um, actually developing the whole medical work for Mercy Ships, uh, literally building a hospital on board the first ship, the Anastasis, uh, and developing a program to do cleft lip and palate and eye surgery and medical and dental work. And uh, so I did that for 12 years. Um, and to be honest, one of my greatest grievances during that time was that I would try to grow uh, plants at my porthole with very little success. They'd either get deluged with salt water or else we'd move from a hot climate to a cold climate and everything would die. So uh, I think it, in many ways, established for me the importance, for me at least, of connecting to creation. But it was a wonderful experience. And I recently had the opportunity to meet with the maxillofacial surgeon who uh, is now intimately involved with the ship, which is down in Africa, different ship from the one that I was on and he was uh, sharing wonderful stories of the work that Mercy Ship still does and 
just had me in tears as he said, you laid the foundations for this. So it was a wonderful part of my life uh, and something that exposed me to all kinds of incredible experiences. Wow, what a blessing. And I'm sure since you wanted to garden, that's one of the reasons you're happy to be on dry land and gardening. Tell us a little bit now about um, – I, I can't. I'm, I apologize because I know you're out on the West Coast, but and I know it's Pacific yes, Northwest, I'm, but I can't remember exactly where you are. I live in Seattle, and Seattle is a wonderful place to garden. Uh, in fact, I think uh, you know when my husband and I were married 25 years ago, and I moved on land. Um, one of the things that um, I discovered was here in the Pacific Northwest. You, you can't really call yourself a Pacific Northwester unless you try to grow tomatoes in your garden. Um, and he, so he had a couple of scraggly tomato plants. Um, and that was probably one of my first experiences of the absolute delight of tomatoes picked right out of the garden. And so as a result, um, you know, that ignited, I think, a desire in me to, to not only grow more tomatoes, we now plant probably about 30 tomato plants each year, but also to grow all other kinds of vegetables and fruit. And we have three, um, we have three apple trees, two peach trees, two pear trees, a plum tree. Uh, uh, we grow about 40 to 50 percent of our uh, vegetables and fruit on a, an urban lot here in Seattle, and it's just a wonderful experience. It really is. Now, I know you live in a, a sort of organized community. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how the community helps with the gardening? It's a small community. You know, basically we own an old house that's divided into three apartments. So we have a family that lives upstairs with two kids. And then at the moment we've got um, some singles downstairs, so uh, that might change in the next couple of weeks. We're going through a transition within the community. So we have a meal together once a week and we encourage people to use produce out of the garden as much as possible to create that meal as well as we do one uh, community garden day a month um, where not only the people within the community itself, the residents, but also other people come and they help us with the garden. In fact, we had a garden day yesterday and we got greens planted, um, we got potatoes planted uh, we did some weeding, and we're starting to get beds ready for tomatoes to go in in another month or so. Uh, tomatoes and squash and, and beans uh, are most of the summer crops that still need to go in. Now, how big is the garden? Um, fairly big for a garden for a for an urban garden. Um, let me, you know, I've never really measured it, but it's probably. Um, Oh, I'm just kind of trying to estimate here. We've got three different areas in which we garden, as well as the fruit trees and the areas. So we're probably about 30 by 10. The three areas that are about 30 by 10 each that we've got divide. We divide into to different beds. So we we get a fair bit in, and then we plant some things in pots as well. So we're pretty committed to this. Wow, um, and of course, then you have this amazing diet that God provided for you, right? Oh, it's incredible. You, you know, I, I think until we have the experience of uh, eating things straight out of the garden, we just don't realize what we're missing. In fact, one of the things that I love is sometimes we'll have families come over and the kids will kind of be walking around the garden and they'll be picking things and eating them. And mums will standing there saying, they never eat that at home. They never eat that at home. You know, things like beans, raw beans or broccoli or peas or and tomatoes. And it's like, oh, you know, this is amazing. And it's like, well, this is the difference between stuff we buy in the supermarket and things we, we pick straight out of the garden, you know. And I think sometimes the reason that kids don't like things, uh, particularly vegetables, is because they've never tasted the real thing. And, um, you know, I've, I've certainly seen that as I've watched kids wander around our garden and enjoy the produce. Now, how do people sign up who don't live in um, your little community? How do they, are they just neighbors or how, I mean, is there some formal process? How does that work? Uh, there's no formal process. Basically, what I do is I usually put something up on my Facebook page um, Well, when, um, you know, we're having a garden day. 
uh, and say if you're interested. And then we do a few other things too. I mean, you know, we get um, 200 pounds of apples at the end of the season, which is a little more than we can use. And so I'll usually do a garden processing day at the end of the season uh, where I just put something up on Facebook and say, if you're interested in processing apples and taking some home, um, you, you know, come join us at such and such a time. So we, you know, sometimes, um, of course, it's not always easy for people to get away because sometimes we have to do it during the week. But at other times, it's Saturday morning and, um, you know, we'll have sometimes neighbours, sometimes friends, uh, people from church that will come and be a part of what we're doing. Now, can you um, tell us what processing apples means? Oh, sorry, yes. We basically, we um, peel them, cut them, uh, and either prepare them for just freeze them or, uh, or dry them. I have a food dehydrator, and we'll usually try and do two or three uh, lots in the the food dehydrator so that you know i mean that usually gives us apples for over the the winter and then if we've got time you know we'll make apple pie so usually we don't get to that because usually what happens is we'll just basically peel core and uh slice the apples put them in bags uh and then people can take you know home what I say is you, you get one, I get one kind of thing <laughs> so that it you know, helps me in terms of um, uh, preparing for the upcoming season. And we do a lot of hospitality, so it's great because it means I've got apples in the freezer that I can pull out and make apple pies with uh, for the hospitality that we do as well. Um, and, you know, we process other things too, though the apples are the main thing that, uh, you know, we get totally overwhelmed with in terms of the the amount of harvest that we have. Well, I, I was an exchange student to Sweden um, when I was in high school, which means that was like 700 years ago. And um, <laughs> my family, my grandfather was, he, he, he did a lot of citrus growing. Um, uh-huh. But my family, we didn't grow anything. And so... I got to Sweden, they had an apple tree in the backyard. And I just have all these fond memories of picking apples and helping process apples. Um, they uh-huh. didn't can. Like, I, I do canning here, but um, mm-hmm. they didn't can. But, you know, I remember, like, doing what you're doing. So I'm glad you reminded me of that memory. That's a sweet memory <laughs> I have. Um, well, our church also has apple trees, and we harvested 200 pounds also, which I think is sort of funny that we had the same harvest. Uh-huh, Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, and it's a wonderful way, you you know, to get kids involved. I mean, often we will have kids that come, and we've got a good backyard for kids, uh, which means that, you know, I mean, they can help a little bit, and then, of course, they get bored, and so they can go and play. And it's just a wonderful way to introduce them to another aspect of gardening uh, and of, you know, connection to, to God's creation as well. Because I think not only don't kids get to see and to taste things straight out of the garden, but of course they get so disconnected from the whole process of uh, the creation of the food that they eat as well. And I, I don't think that's good for them either. Right. Well, and, you know, um, I go into places and I see apples individually wrapped in plastic, and we will save the plastic <laughs> waste conversation yeah. for another day because I'm sure you and I could talk an hour about that. But I just always <laughs> yeah. say, you know, God knew what he was doing when he gave us fruits and vegetables, and if you can find me an apple tree with apples wrapped in plastic, then please let me know. <laughs> Yes. Oh, definitely. So I, I hate it, and and not just wrapped in plastic, but waxed, and, and of course with a lot of the fruit and tomatoes and things picked green and then gassed so that they looked good, and yet you know they're not really ripe. They just are made to look as though they are, and all of this means that yeah, we're we're just so disconnected from food the way that God intends it to be. I think. Right. Amen. And. Um, I'm sure you, um, as a physician, subscribe that the first medicine um, God gave us was the the fruit and vegetables that he gave us, right? Well, yes. Well, and not just those. Uh, One of the things, as you can imagine, trained as a physician that I've been really intrigued with is the connection with health and and nature. And, um, 
you know, from, from the fact that there are actually substances in the soil uh, that are like antibiotic substances that really boost our immune system. There are other substances like, you know, if you pick up a, a, a handful of good loamy soil and smell it and it makes you feel good, it actually does make you feel good because there are substances in the soil that are act like antidepressants. Um, you know, and some of the research, and interestingly, much of it done in Sweden, that shows that symptoms of ADHD, attention deficit disorder, can actually be reduced um, by getting kids outside. And the more kids get outside, you know, the more you can reduce these symptoms. Um, studies done in England have shown that kids that live in urban areas uh, that just getting them out into green space, into into the creation, that their health improves so much that evidently in some places they've actually mandated it, that they have to spend a certain amount of time out in green areas because of the boost that it gives to their health. I mean, these are some of the connections uh, right at the basic level that I think, um, you know, we wonder sometimes why are our kids getting so unhealthy? And I think, well, I think part of it is because of the fact that they're disconnected from creation and the natural uh, kind of synergy that God has placed in the creation with us so that we, um, in many ways, you know, are the people that God intends us to be, uh, you know, more physically strong, Spiritually, I think, you know, that disconnecting from creation uh, not only affects our physical health, but our spiritual and our emotional health as well. And it's fascinating to me that they've actually found substances in the soil that would uh, contribute to that return of health if we reconnect to them. Well, and I'm so glad to know that, and thank you for sharing that with us, because um, as you can imagine, doing the work that I do, we talk a lot about soil. Um, and uh, I, I don't think that people realize how valuable soil is, and so uh-huh. I really encourage people to start composting. I mean, there's so my my subscription to uh, Creation Care is is that there's all these unintended benefits, right? So yes. let's say you start yes. composting. Well, you're helping your county government. You're creating better soil. You're reducing waste. Um, and now we can say there's an antidepressant in it. I mean, like, yay. Oh, yeah, it's, it's true. It's, it's just amazing. And, I mean, and another dimension um, that that I love as, as I look at this, too, is that I think it reconnects us to the story of God. Um, you know, I tell people uh, often that I read about the story of God in the Bible, but in the in the garden, I see it lived out. You know, the story of life, death, and resurrection. I mean, it's so inherent in so much of the garden. Well, in the compost pile, for example. You know, I, I still remember the first year that I composted and, and opening my compost bin kind of after I'd let it, had it sitting there for um, three months and just staring in awe at, what had happened and thinking, you know, the transformation from kitchen refuse to what gardeners call black gold. And I thought, wow, if, you know, if, if God has designed the compost pile to bring about this kind of transformation in kitchen waste, what can God do with our lives? You know, what can God do with the refuse in our lives? And it, it, it just was such an incredible story of hope for me that this is the kind of transformation that God wants to bring about. Um, and I think similarly, you know, our daffodils are out at the moment. Um, and, um, you know, growing up in Australia, where, of course, at Easter, everything was dying. I, I To be honest, I, I really did have trouble connecting to the Easter story. But now living in a part of the world where everything is bursting into life at Easter, it's like, oh, this is what Easter is meant to be about. And there's that sense of, um, you know, the story of God, uh, looking at it in the garden saying, hey, here's where it's being lived out. And as I connect it to, to it here, it gives me so much more of a sense of, of connection to God and a sense of hope and a sense of, of joy in the story of what God is doing and what God has created as well, I think. That, that is 
thank you for that. That's so <laughs> profound, right? And it just it it's oh. it's almost like a meditation what you just said. It's so beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, I write meditations about these things just you know, and partly because I I, I mean, I would say that working in the garden has um re- not restored my faith but renewed my faith in all kinds of ways. Uh, you know, just kind of uh, and, and it has connected me to God in a much deeper way. Uh, and part of that has been because, uh, you know, as I garden, um, I mean, it's time for reflection. And then out of that often has come meditations and, um, you know, much deeper kind of connection. I, this is a lot of what I do on my blog, godspacelight.com, where I uh, often try and connect you know, what I am experiencing in everyday life to a sense of my faith in God. And uh, it, it has had profound impact on my faith um, in terms of the depth of faith. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the reasons that people are disconnecting from God is because they've disconnected from creation. Uh, I really think that uh, we need that connection. In fact, I often ask people, you know, what makes you feel close to God? And the number one thing that people... Uh, say is is some form of creation uh you know it may not be gardening it might be uh walking in the forest it might be sitting by the sea uh it, it might be uh sitting by a waterfall something like that but i i think that there is something within us that doesn't that comes alive when we are connected to god's creation and i think that there's an aspect of our faith that comes alive when we are connected to God's creation as well. And and it doesn't come alive in any other way. And that's what I've seen as I've watched so many people um, discover connection to creation. Uh, You see a vibrancy come into their faith as well that, that is just beautiful to watch too. So I think that is a perfect place. We're going to take a small break, and when we come back, we're going to talk. We're going to go deeper. We're going to talk about your books, and we're going to talk more about the connection of of nature and and spirituality. Okay, we'll be right back. Sounds good. We hope you're enjoying this episode of EEN Moms Talk. If you want to engage more with us, you can follow us on Instagram at EEN Moms. You can follow us on Twitter at EEN underscore mom or you can join our private facebook group at en mom just click to join and we approve you in the group if you want to download our free bible study hop over to creationcare.org and you can download it there we really believe community is the key to everything so we hope you will make us part of yours now back to our guest Okay, so before we took the break, we were talking about the um, the the juncture of nature and spirituality um, and meditation. And so you've just written a book called Rest in the Moment. Tell us a little bit about that and what inspired you to write it. Well, the book um, is basically a series of meditations, uh, 12 meditations, Uh, in which I usually, one of the things that I do is I I write, I I never know whether to call them poems or prayers, but basically a poem prayer that has come out of my uh, reflecting on something. Um, And, you know, it can be um, an aspect of creation. It can be something else. But many times, you know, for example, one of my favorite ones that I've written uh, is a, a prayer called um, Stay Close to the Cracks, uh, which really came out of, um, you know, looking at the cracks that we have in the concrete uh, and seeing how often the grass starts to grow through the cracks. And so this prayer and the meditation in the book talks about um, stay, how, how God encourages us to stay close to the cracks because this is where the light gets in and where the growth happens that so often there are wounds in our lives there just as there are you know we might see that crack as a wound in the concrete um but you know it's in that place of woundedness that often new growth can take place and i love the metaphor of, of the growth in the concrete because basically what happens is that as uh, that new growth 
starts up through the concrete. If we allow it to grow, it literally eventually breaks more and more of the concrete um, and and the freshness of God comes through. So that's, that's really what I talk about. So the series of, of, of 12 meditations like that, uh, there is opportunity, I have spaces in it for people to... Um, uh, write their own reflections. There's some suggested music for people to listen to while they go through it, and you can do it either as a five-minute thing or something that you can even, you know, come back to over and over again to look at different aspects of the meditation. That's awesome. And let me ask: when you when you start the writing process, what do you what normally like? Do you sit out in the garden? What where where does it, is it? Something that's just sort of internal that you think about when uh, you get to a point where it's critical mass? It's, it, that's a very good question. Um, it, it often, uh, I, I have a lovely space that I work in. My office um, used to be a breakfast nook in our house, and it's, so it, basically it has windows on three sides, and it looks out onto the garden. I start the day here, usually at 6 o'clock in the morning, doing my morning devotions. I'm surrounded by indoor plants as well as by outdoor plants. Um, and so many of my meditations will start in this space. And in that time, you know, as I would sit here, uh, sometimes, you know, focusing on one of the things that um, I am surrounded by, um, sometimes thinking about an experience that I might have had in the last day or two, um, and, and just kind of really entering into um, a sense of, you know, the presence of God in the midst of what it is that I'm doing or what it is that I'm experiencing. Um, you know, sometimes it's I, one of the things that I like to do in my morning devotion time is to, to think back over the last day or so and, you know, what kind of spoke to me out of that day. And it's often out of that kind of a thought that some of the things that... Um, I, I talk about or that I, you know, write about in my meditations will come out. Um, but uh, but it varies, you know, it, it really does. And sometimes it'll just be when I'm outside uh, that something will kind of come at me too. Um, would you like me to read one of the prayers that I've written? Um, I would love that. I, that I would often, be lovely. Yeah, I, I just happen to have one here. And I often... Um, you know, one of the things that I like to do is to center myself on the presence of God each morning. And this is one that came out, um, I think um, I mentioned to you, Beth, but um, uh, the current focus on my blog is on sustainability. And so this uh, particular prayer came out of thinking about that. And, um, you know, how do I want to kind of approach that aspect of what I was doing? And so I call it just a centering prayer. God of creation, God of the earth, holy and mighty one, righteous and faithful one, I center myself on you today. God of the heavens, God of the universe, compassionate and generous one, gracious and just one, I center myself on you today. I sit in the presence of eternal love. I breathe in the rhythm of eternal breath. I delight in the joy of eternal presence. My soul is at rest. My spirit has found peace. God is in me. God is around me, behind and before me, on left and on right. God is with me wherever I go. And I've just been using that prayer in the mornings for the last few weeks. Uh, and it, as I said, it came out of thinking about what I wanted to get out of this season. Um, and um, it's just been a really good focusing prayer for me. Well, it's beautiful. And um, thank you. So, honoring of everything that God gives us, right? Yes. Yeah. And I often, you know, it, it, and often it is walking in the garden that will inspire me as well. I've written a number of. Um, uh, like I usually put up a prayer on um, for Earth Day. I've written prayers for um, blessing the garden. Uh, I've written a lot of prayers, I suppose you could say, you know, more responsive kind of prayers for blessing the garden, 
harvest prayers, uh, those kinds of things, to, to really help us connect our faith to the experiences that we're having in creation. Because I, I do feel, um, I, you know, it's been fascinating to me. I, I do guard, um, seminars on spirituality and gardening. And part of what I found is that so often, even in churches that have um, community gardens around them, that people don't know how to connect their faith with what's going on outside in the garden. You know, and, and, and uh, I, I just love watching people kind of, it's like you see the lights start to go on as they start to recognize that, you know, this community garden around them isn't just uh, something incidental, but it is really a core and integral part of their faith as well. And so part of what I love to do is to help people to make those connections because I do, you know, as a, as a doctor, the, the doctor part of me kind of, brings up and says, oh, this is good for people's health as well. Great. Um, yeah, I think that's so, so true. Um, let's return back a little bit to getting children in the garden. Is, is, do you have any recommendations for, like, if, no, if they've never done anything, you know, not a potted plant or anything, what would be the first step that you would recommend for moms and parents to get kids out in the garden? Um, well, now, are you assuming that they've already got a garden that they're wanting to get the kids out into? Or, no, they, um, they don't have a garden. Okay. Um, it's interesting. I'm actually just finishing up the manuscript for a book um, for InterVarsity Press uh, called The Gift of Wonder. Uh, and what this book looks at is Jesus says that to enter the kingdom, we must become like children. And so I'm looking at what are the childlike characteristics that make us fit for the kingdom? Um, and the one that immediately comes to mind for me is awe and wonder and children's enthusiasm. Uh, and I think that the place to start in terms of getting kids out into the garden is to literally just take them for a walk somewhere where there's nature and watch them respond and talk to them about their responses to the things that they delight in as they take that that, that walk. Um, because so often, you know, kids, particularly when they're in a classroom all the time or they're inside, they lose that sense of awe and wonder that is so much a part of who God intends us to be and that is such a delight of childhood. Uh, and so reconnecting them to that sense of awe and wonder, I think, is the place to start. It's, and it's not hard. All you need to do is, you know, walk in a park or even just walk around the neighborhood. Get them to pick up leaves and ask them, you know, kind of whatever attracts their attention. Ask them what they like about it. Um, ask them, you know, what they feel and, and just enter into their delight as they do that as well. It's a great place to start. I love that, and I love the idea of them actually, uh, you know, being thoughtful and intentional, asking them about what what do you think about the leaves, you know, you know what what inspires you. I always say that, you know, you you know that God instinctually, intentionally put the love of nature in us because all you have to do is take a two year old on a nature walk and they will come back with something in their hand. It'll be a rock, a leaf, a stick or something, right? They their little their little oh. minds see something so beautiful in it, right? Oh, definitely. Yes. Yes. I mean kids love nature. Uh, you know, there's no doubt about that at all. Um, you know, and it's interesting, I don't know if you know uh you know, there's a term that's been um coined now called uh nature deficit disorder. Uh, basically the concern that kids are spending less and less time outside and what are we uh, depriving our kids of as a result. And some of it, I think, is, you know, what I've already mentioned, the immunity, um, the happiness level and things like that. But I think we also deprive them of awe and wonder. We deprive them of that God-given delight, which uh, they need to rediscover and hopefully we rediscover in the same process because I, I, I think that awe and wonder uh, is something that that is um, core to who God has made us to be. I mean, it's fascinating to me reading some of the reports after the eclipse last year 
uh, and the response of people, you know, awe and wonder. And, you know, some of the research that's been done, some some of it as a result of that, but some of it um, pre, preceding that, that talked about how uh, the experience of awe and wonder makes us more uh, concerned for each other. It, it bonds us together as community in a way. It makes us more compassionate towards each other. It makes us more concerned for uh, the world around us as well. And I thought, wow, you know, the, the more insular we become and the less connected to nature, we have no idea of the ramifications of that. And so reconnecting to a sense of awe and wonder has profound impact that kind of ripples out from us as individuals to the world around us as well, which, again, I think, yeah, I think that's the way God intended it to be. Right, right. Well, I love um, that they um, – I was listening to another uh, Christian podcaster, and it's now scientifically proven that those who ha- people who have a robust and dynamic meditative life, they've actually done brain scans, and they have proven that um, through meditation and connecting with God that your brain becomes healthier and that oh, new yeah. – right paths neurologically are created between the left and right brain. And so I'm like, man, you know, like who needs medication? (laughs) Just pray. (laughs) Well, I think we would need a lot less medication if we did some of these things. Now, but I think we've got to, um, in a way we've got to learn how to pray. Uh, because I think that uh, I know, um, I mean, I'm in my 60s. I learned to pray when I was a teenager. Um, And to be honest, you know, I mean, it's only in the last um, 10 to 15 years that I have branched out of, you know, the kind of um, narrow, in a way, ways of praying that I was taught then, you know, where you basically, uh, you know, you tended to pray for things rather Mm -hmm than to really allow yourself to enter into the presence of God. And I think that that more meditative form of prayer, which I think nature encourages us into. Um, You know, it's interesting to me that so much of what we do in the garden, we do kneeling, you know, (laughs) you kneel to weed. (laughs) And and so many people that I talk to say that's when they do their best praying. Um, and I think that there's something about it and that, that connection is kind of like a natural form of kneeling rather than in a way a forced form of kneeling that some of us um, kind of started with in terms of prayer. And, and I think just that meditative process of reflecting on the world that God has placed us in and the beauty of it, um, which I think we've um, not only disconnected from the beauty of this world, but I think we've also disconnected from the delight that God takes in the beauty of this world uh, and, and, and how much God relishes the beauty and the, um, it, it, the incredible nature of, of creation. I think that there's uh, a whole measure of delight that God has in that. I mean, it's just actually reading through Genesis again this morning where it talks about uh, you know, the creation story, and it says at the end of each day, and God delighted in it, if the creation, of the translation I was reading, it said God delighted in it. And I think, yeah, God delights in the beauty around, and we don't take that time to sit in the presence of it and to do that form of prayer of just entering into God's delight and, and um, uh, allowing that delight to enter into us as well. Well, and I think I, I, I'm so glad we had this conversation because there is a there is a truth, a genuine truth, um, to the idea that we need to to that prayer is not what we learn as children, which is corporate prayer, right? I I always say mm-hmm. that um, in church we are excellent at corporate prayer. Everybody, bow your heads. We're gonna pray. Right, we're we a plus. We get a plus on that. But when it comes to the practice of doing it individually, the church really does fail, um, in a very large part. I mean, this is a broad brushstroke, so it's not you know 100%, but in a very large part to teach us how to individually pray, 
We don't do a good job mm-hmm. of teaching it in small groups. We don't do a good job of teaching it in Sunday school. We don't do a good job of teaching it in Sunday school for kids. Um, I'm in the South, so adults go to Sunday school. Just to, just uh, anybody who's uh, listening is like, what's all this Sunday school stuff for adults? <laughs> so, um, you know, that we just, we don't take the time to really do that. And it is such a, it's just like anything else. You, know, you have to have discipline to read the Bible. You have to have discipline to, you know, make a bed every morning or whatever. And so, and you also have to learn, right? I had, you know, who doesn't have a sweet memory of their mama at least trying to make you, you know, teaching you how to make a bed. Um, and and so to think that we can just do meditative prayer without any input or any, any kind of out, you know, anything to, to help us do it better, um, I think is a little naive uh-huh. and and, you know, so I love that you have, like, a book that can help put people in the right place to do meditation. And I just really encourage people um, to really dig in dig in deep with meditative prayer at home. And it shouldn't, you know, look, it's not bad to ask God for things, right? I mean, the Bible tells us, mm-hmm. ask God for things. But at the same time, we need to ask um, God to show us, right? Not just say, hey, God you know, heal my neighbor or God help me with X, Y, Z, but God, show me where your will is. Show me where mm-hmm. you want me to plunge in. You know, even if it's just, you know, for today where you want to plunge in, or maybe it's a season in life, or maybe it's for your en- entire uh, road. Now, if you're like me, God plunged in with you and you, were, you weren't doing a good job, right? So like um, I was telling you be, uh, before we got on that I had a website and God just kept on building in me, building and building in me with, I had, you know, our goal with the website when we started 10 years ago was um, we're going to get a hundred thousand emails and we're going to sell the website for $10 million and we'll just go and do something else. Cause that had happened to somebody else, you know, but God has a marvelous sense of humor and purpose and really pulled me into this work where I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I don't want to care for creation without talking about God and praising God every day. And so mm-hmm. I, I think it's so important for us to really learn how to have, you know, real communication um, through meditation with God. And so I really, really appreciate you bringing this whole idea to us and, and how it doesn't have to be like sit there, you know, that you can be in the garden. And that is a form mm-hmm. of meditation. Yeah. Well, and, and even further than that, I mean, I, I think, particularly with kids, I don't think that there's any better place uh, to help kids connect to God than in nature. Uh, You know, because it's not just what does God want me to do, but where is God present in the midst of this? Um, And there's a, uh, you know, a form of meditation that is, well, it's called Lectio Tierra, or basically listening listening to the earth, I suppose you could say which is a, a, a more meditative process that we take out into nature and basically, you know, kind of go for a walk. Um, and as I said, perfect to do with kids. Go for a walk with the kids. And in a way, what I described earlier, you know, what catches your attention? Uh, let's, let's pick it up. You know, don't go pulling branches off trees or anything like that. But let's pick it up or let's look at it. Let's have a closer look at it. Um, what comes to your mind as you look at this? Uh, what does it tell you about God? You know, take some time. What do you think this tells us about God? Uh, what do you think this tells us about the story of God? Uh, you know, these are some of the questions that we can ask and, and ask of, of our kids as we walk that I think connect them to the God who is present in every part of, of creation in a way that, you know, just sitting and yeah, sitting in a chair and teaching and, as it were, teaching them how to pray just doesn't do, you know. Um, going into the garden, you know, looking in the compost pile um, and, uh, you know, seeing that incredible transformation and saying, wow, look at this, kids. You know, what does this tell you about God? You know, what can we learn about God from this? Um, you know, planting seeds. Um, and I, in my bi- biography, it mentions that I'm interested in Celtic Christian spirituality and one of the things I love uh, about the, the Celtic Christian spirituality it's a kind of a in a way it's, you could say it's a dead branch of Christianity because this thrived through the 
the 4th through the 8th century. But there's been a renewed interest in it. And I think part of the interest is that it was a spirituality that was very earthy and very connected uh, to the world around it. And, and one of the things I loved was that when they planted the seed, part of what they would do was that they would actually sprinkle it with water three days before they planted it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, so that the whole act of planting a seed and watching it emerge was a reenactment for them of the death and resurrection of Christ. And in fact, they would try to um, plant it on a Friday if possible, so that it literally was that reenactment of the death and resurrection of Christ. I think, wow, you know, we need those kinds of sense of connection and particularly putting them into our kids. So again, you know, something to do with your kids. Plant some seeds. Have them watch them grow, you know, and and if you don't have a garden, you can, you know, you can plant them. Just get a little pot, get some seed, get a little bit of soil and plant it on the windowsill. You know, it'll it'll grow. Most seeds will grow. Uh, when you do that, that's that's about all you need to do. Um, it can be a, a a wonderful experience, and kids just love watching things grow. Um, some of my best helpers in the garden have been kids. We we always have kids in the uh, community that I live in here, and I love having them help me in the garden. Um, it was one little girl in particular when she was five. I mean, she was the best helper I have ever had in the garden. I mean, she would come out, um, she would be telling me how to plant the seed. Uh, and she would often, uh, uh, I, I still have a, a lovely photo of her just after she had learnt to, to write. And so she did all the labels for me for the tomato seeds that I was planting. And of course, there were letters back to front and things like that. But oh, it was such a fun project for her. I mean, not only was she learning about gardening, but she was learning, she was practicing her writing as well. And she just delighted in every opportunity to be a part of what was going on in the garden. It was beautiful to watch. That right. And I think that's the other thing. And, and I encourage folks, we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, um, there's so many people doing school gardens. Um, but Captain Planet is here in Atlanta, and they're doing school gardens. And what they, when they do a school garden, what they call it is an outdoor classroom. So there's uh-huh. definitely yeah. a gardening aspect to it. But then they encourage, like, you know, if it's a science time, you go out in the garden and, you know, learn about science. If it's a math time, you go out in the garden, you learn about math, you know. Just, they do heirlooms, you know, go out and learn about history, go out and be inspired yes. and write a poem, you know, in your English. So um, I think that's that's really also, want to get once again, one of these unintended benefits. Like, it's not oh. just the act of gardening, right? It's the, the, yes. the, the lessons beyond. Uh-huh. Oh, definitely. And there are some wonderful resources already out there. Um, but one of the things that... Um, I uh, we put up on our blog every year is an updated version of uh, a, a booklet that we put together called Creating a Faith-Based Community Garden. And basically, it, it really it's got a small amount of information in it, but then links to um, a lots of different uh, curriculum from faith perspectives. And uh, we have put in links from many different faith perspectives. So, and a beautiful uh, curriculum. Uh, for Jewish children that was free online on um, on gardening. And I learned a lot about Christian faith by, you know, reading what they were teaching through the synagogue on this as well, as well as some Christian resources. And, um, you know, there's some fantastic resources out there to help in this regard. Um, and I can send you a link for that so that you can... Uh, you know, so people can access it because, um, uh, you know, sometimes we <laughs> reinvent the wheel when we don't need to. Um, and uh, there are some great things to look at, you know, that we can use as resources that can help us to uh, develop our own resources as well, I think. Super. Well, we are um, almost out of time. And um, so I just want to take a moment and say thank you so much. You were a blessing to me today. And I really appreciate our conversation. It's been so wonderful 
to have your insight and your your knowledge to help us get our kids out in the garden and really help them develop their spiritual muscles. And I just think that's wonderful. So we really appreciate it. We've got show notes um, that everyone knows. We've got links to Christine's website and to her books. And um, we'll um, get some links to the gardening uh, booklet that she was talking about and Captain Planet. And we just really, really appreciate your time. And we just uh, pray that God will continue to bless you with the work that you're doing. Well, thank you, Beth. It's been a delight to be involved as well. And as you can tell, I'm passionate about the garden, and uh, so I really appreciate this opportunity. Great. Well, I look forward to hopefully meeting you someday out out in Seattle, or maybe you'll come to Atlanta. That would be great, yep. Great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. God gave me those words, blessing in in my my day. And you know, the first time I said it, I really meant it. And I and I just love doing this podcast because isn't amazing the way that God connects us all and continues to teach us about all the ways that we can care for His creation. And it's not political, and it's not dirty. Well, I guess maybe some people might consider soil dirty, but it's not sort of you know big climate change kind of things. It's just simple everyday choices that you can um, make with your children and teach them about God's love and get them in nature and show them all the wonderful way God's lo- God loves us by providing this amazing bounty, right? Um, the fruits and the vegetables and just getting out in nature. So we really, really appreciate Christine's insight. Um, it is Earth Month, y'all. Um, so I have now dated this podcast. So um, we are in April uh, 2018. Um, we hope to have a couple of others, but I do want to let you know that um, we are traveling, 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 and so I will be um, in San Antonio this week. Um, and um, if you're listening on April 11th or 12th, and you want to meet me, I would love to meet you. So ping me, um, Beth at CreationCare.org, and hopefully we can make something happen. Um, but also next week is big. Earth Day, Texas, and Dallas, and uh, the EEN Evangelical Environmental Network will be exhibiting, and I would love for you to come by. We um, will have some materials we can share with you, and um, would just love to meet you, and just social media, which is so fun. Um, Don't forget, we've got a Facebook, um, private Facebook group, um, and uh, Tori and I, who is my community the communication director for EEN. She and I were down with the Christian Coalition in Alabama last weekend, and we did some fun videos um, on our road trip from Atlanta to, to Mobile. So um, we'd love for you to pop over to the Facebook group and ask to join, and I'll be happy to, to let you in. So we are going to sign out, and we will see you on – see you, I say see, right? We will hope that you join us on the next podcast, and have a wonderful, blessed day. Thanks for listening to this episode of EEN Mom Talk. You'll be able to get more information on our website at creationcare.org, and we hope that you will like and subscribe to these podcasts on iTunes or your other favorite podcast player. 